think about that 16 Ryder Cup all the time. All the time. All the time. I think about that 16 Ryder Cup all the time. Thinking about the Ryder Cup all the time, thinking about the Tour Championship all the time, thinking about the First Cup podcast with Kyle Porter all the time. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter. Kyle, um, we are sitting here. It is Wednesday morning. We've got the the Tour Championship at East Lake coming up. Uh, a, a nice, uh, you know, long weekend of sort of the ups and downs, the swings. We'll get to your previews and your picks in a little bit. We got some changes to uh, the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup format to get to. We got some uh, some information. Hey, how about this? What are you going to be doing in 2036 thinking about the Ryder Cup when Congressional gets it? Do you think either of us will still be covering golf in 2036? What's this year? 2018. I'll be 51 years old. Ooh, actually, do you know what the uh, the move is? I'll only be covering golf majors. <laughs> if I've made it, I am covering I am re- covering golf, but I'm not live blogging. I'm only writing one column for every tournament. The, it's the Dan Jenkins from like the 1950s. The uh, actually the only majors are going to be the only thing that exists. That's right. Like, there there won't even be other tournaments. No, they they will, but we're going to take them in with augmented reality. Yeah, or they'll be played with augmented reality at Top Golf. Shout out yes. to Top Golf sponsor of the episode. There, there's the there it is. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, all right, so let's let's begin uh, with that. Uh, Congressional Country Club is going to get the 2031 PGA Championship, 2036 Ryder Cup. It's a big deal because Congressional Country Club uh, in Washington D.C. is among uh, one of the you know more prestigious, I would say, maybe the most prestigious Mid Atlantic course, one of the most prestigious East Coast courses. Um, what what was uh, any any sort of big takeaway or reaction to this, or is it tough? just sort of having any take for something that's so far away? Uh, probably the latter, but I was thinking about this, Chip. Uh, I love that the PGA of America is like, okay, where should we go in 2028? Let's go to let's go to the place where Rory just destroyed everyone. Let's go back to Hazeltine. And in 2036, let's go to Congressional so, when he ran away with it. We're somewhere where Rory has destroyed everyone else in a in a stroke play of it. Yeah, let's go to Congressional and see. You know, he'll he'll be forty. What will he be? He'll be uh, forty seven. So it won't matter. But uh, if I'm the PJ of America, I just go to like like I just call Patrick Reed and just be like, Hey, where do you want to go? <laughs> or or just go to the play like go to Doral. Yeah, they're already going to Beth Page where he won. Like I would just go to all the places that Patrick Reed has has played the best. <laughs> <laughs> but now it, it is it is interesting because you look at all the somebody brought this up. I think it might have been Jeff Shackelford. You look at all these venues that the PGA of America is going to and they're all like sort of old U.S. Open venues. So the U.S. Open went to Congressional. The U.S. Open went to uh, Beth Page, you've got P- PGAs and Ryder Cups going to both of those places, and I, I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if there's any deeper meaning there. If there all these courses that aren't in like the uh, Pebble Beach, Shinnecock portion of the U.S. Open Rota just sort of get shifted around between the two U.S. major uh, events. Sure, but 
I, I don't know. There might be some something there. I, I don't know if that's like a power play or if the if or if the U.S. Open is like, yeah, you you could or if the USGA is like, yeah, you can have those. We're we're done with them. I I, I don't know what's going on there, but it is interesting. Well, as usual, and again, uh, all apologies to any any friends who we we've put in a tight position on this podcast. But it, as usual, the fact that um, we've got what, like five different organizations all all trying to, to determine their own rules and and fight for, for events and courses uh, over an entire sport, that that's, it's going to lead to some, some convoluted, uh, potentially confusing back and forth? Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a really good point and one that maybe, I know, I know Shackelford talks about that a lot and he calls it like the five families or something like that. Or maybe that's just what it's called. I don't know. But it, it is interesting because I think with Augusta National, you see like, like, like they're just like, you guys do whatever. Like we're just going to do our thing and stay in our lane. And, and obviously they're great at it. And the RNA is a little bit the same way. It doesn't sure. ever really seem like the RNA is like mixed up in anything. Uh, but then you've got USGA, PGA of America, and PGA Tour, and those seem like the ones that are more, uh, I don't know, woven together. And, and maybe that's a maybe that's necessary. Maybe that's just sort of the way things are. But it 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 does make for some, I don't know. Like it would be so weird if the NBA was governed by five different bodies, Is- by five. Five different organizations. Is the PGA of America, the PGA Tour, and the USGA, are they like all, somehow, and I don't know, I mean, there's no way that I'm going to say this without like unfortunately insulting somebody, but I'm just imagining them as like the the siblings that are fighting all the time while RNA and Augusta National are straight A students keeping the mind in their own business. The only ones who get the car keys for the weekend. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know like what the relationship I think the USGA would put itself with the RNA and say, yeah, we kind of stay out of the the business of of, of everybody else. I, I think that where it gets weird is is with rules and with like the distance debate that we've seen, because everybody sort of has to work together on that. Right. Uh, but but then also with the PGA tour scheduling. And, and, and so I think about like the PGA tour and the PGA of America, there had to be some sort of conversation there with like, Hey, you have to move to may because we cannot keep running this schedule into football season because FedEx or whoever is going to end their contract with us. And there's not going to be a PGA tour. I, I, I don't know. That's like a fake scenario, obviously, but fake news. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly like, they all have to, they all have to talk, right? Like they all have to, um, you know, at the highest levels kind of talk back and forth and, and be able to make deals and move stuff around. And, and that's sort of a, that's an underrated aspect of all of this. I mean, imagine if FIBA like ran the NBA playoffs, right? You'd be like, what? I mean, you get that a little bit in soccer, I guess, cause you've got all these different tournaments within regular season play and there's just a lot going on you've got like your club like the champions league while uh the premier league is also going on and uh your local fa cup for example yeah exactly uh and you get that uh you get that in golf as well and it makes for some some interesting 
relationship dynamics and, and interesting scheduling and, and all that stuff. Well, speaking of uh, the changes that need to be coordinated, uh, that we finally had what was initially reported, some major changes coming to the Tour Championship format and the FedEx Cup format, really, uh, starting in 2019. Of course, in 2019 is going to be the first year that we've got uh, the PGA move to May. That'll be played at Bethpage. And so... When you're looking, we knew that the schedule was going to be changed. There were some, there was still some question, I think, as to you know which events would hang on. Now the Wyndham Championship down the road for me in Greensboro, that's the final uh, event of the season, right before the playoffs. Yeah, there was some talk. Doug Ferguson had written this that there was a small chance that the the Wyndham Championship might not be part of the regular season, which I don't, I don't know what it would be. I don't know if it would be part of the next season or if it would be part if it would just be like a I don't know. I don't know what was going to happen, but it 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 will be part of the regular season and they've actually even gone beyond that and and said, "Okay, we're going to put up 10 million dollars to I can't remember what it's called, the Wyndham Top 10 winner or something like that to basically say whoever's leading the FedEx Cup after the Wyndham Championship uh, gets 2 million dollars." And then whoever's in second gets 1.5 and there's a $10 million purse for the top 10 for the FedEx Cup for the regular season, which I think is good. It might be a sort of move for the Wyndham to get guys that like, let's say uh, Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson are tied at atop the FedEx Cup rankings. Right. After the what's right before that, the WGC in Memphis is right before that next year because uh, they'll both play in that. I, there's. It's, it's almost impossible to be just tied, but let's say they are, or they're really close together. Then one of those guys or both of those guys might put Wyndham on their schedule just to try and go win $2 million for winning the regular season FedEx cup title. I don't know if those guys care about stuff like that, but, uh, it certainly, I think compels more golfers to play, uh, in the Wyndham championship right before the playoffs, even though that's going to be a really busy stretch. Cause you've got, the Open, the WGC, then the Wyndham, and then the playoffs. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's compelling or not, but I, I think that was sort of the play there. What was your uh, – we finally have – and again, you know, we, we mentioned what we had – what was reported and reacted to it a little bit. Um, at the start of the Tour Championship, first place is going to be 10 under, 30th is at even. It's staggered in between to get it started. Uh, how – now that it's all been laid out in writing, uh, has your reaction changed? Do you feel like you learned anything from what you initially suspected this was going to look like? Uh, was there anything different? Or uh, how are you feeling now, especially as we are into our championship week? Now, I can't help but look at the field and start to think, okay, so this is what we would have if we had next year's scoring this year. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I've seen people like really appalled by it. I think it's great. I really do. Uh, you're you're going to have – so for people that haven't seen it, you're going to have the, whoever's leading the FedEx Cup going into the Tour Championship start out at 10 under, second place is 8, third place is 7, all the way down to the bottom five in the Tour Championship or even par. So I think the only thing that's weird is that it's going to count as a win uh, no matter – like let's say uh, who's number one, Bryson. Let's say Bryson shoots uh, two seventy this week at East Lake to win. I, I don't know if that's ever been a winning number there. 
whoever's in 30th could shoot 261 and still lose right. to Bryson at Eastlake. And Bryson would, quote unquote, win the tournament. Like it, it would be it would be on his resume. It would be official. All, all those things. That's weird for that specific event. But I think it works for the overall FedEx Cup. And I'm OK with it. Like I, I don't I don't need that happening like every month or multiple times a year, but sort of like the team event in at uh, new Orleans. New or- I was going to say like we give wins out for the match play. That's, yeah, you know, exactly. that if, if it's it, because I don't, I don't look at the tour championship as a major. I don't look at it as one of the, I mean, the tour championship matters to me because it is at the conclusion of the postseason and it ends with uh, the, the FedEx cup winner being named and the, the big, uh, the big salad bowl gets handed out along with $10 million to whoever wins it. And, and that's great. Like I, 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 because of some of the other, uh, you know, not gimmicks in a negative way, but non straight stroke play type events that there are throughout the season. I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable with a, a win being awarded. Uh, I feel like here it becomes more compelling than trying to calculate FedEx Cup points because it is something that will be ongoing. The whoever is number one is going to have a very clear view of who his competition is. I mean, you're starting out with, you know, yes, a a notable, I guess, five stroke lead on whoever's in fifth place, but you can make up five strokes pretty quickly, and it and it will add an element, in my opinion, for the leader in terms of when you're going to hit the gas and when you're going to be able to just be playing for par, you know, are you going to have to go into the week uh, with a strategy, with a strategy of, um, you know, taking it conservative for Thursday and Friday and then hitting the gas? Or do you start out trying to go for birdies early and put the thing away? I think that that element of uh, the chase, how about that? I think that it creates more of a, of a chase that I can wrap my head around as opposed to the the constantly updating FedEx Cup projection rankings. Yeah, I, I think the bigger win here is that it just simplifies the the tour championship. This week we're gonna have these we're gonna have freaking Steve Sands on a digital board that probably may or may not work. Uh that's not a shot at Golf Channel or NBC, just all digital boards only work half the time. Uh we're going to have Steve Sands like breaking down the FedEx Cup points and talking about how, well, if Tiger birdies like 17 holes in a row, he might win the FedEx Cup. And it's like, what? I, I don't know. What are we doing? Like, this is like, there's, you know, Bryson breaking down like nuclear fission is, is less complicated than this. Like, this is absurd. Uh, so, it's it simplifies the tour championship. It simplifies the FedEx Cup. So now, if you win the tour championship, you automatically win the FedEx Cup. I think that is that is paramount, and it's clear that that was paramount to the PGA Tour and in, in the way that they did this. And I think that I think that makes the most sense because guess what? The average golf fan at home doesn't care, doesn't even know what FedEx Cup points are. Yeah. I mean, no offense to the PGA Tour, but it's just not a, you know, all they want to know is if this guy wins this tournament, does he also win? Now it's going to be $15 million uh, for winning the FedEx Cup. That's it. it. It Just keep it simple. And and they've accomplished that. And you you were always going to have to sacrifice something. And I'm okay with sacrificing one event where players get uh, start out with a little bit of an advantage. 
And of course, if you want to give yourself a little bit of an advantage out on the golf course, a great way to do it is by booking a lesson. And, you know, lessons aren't always fun, and sometimes it's hard to find a good spot to do it. But one place has figured out a way to align all of your interests, and that is Top Golf. They've got a certified instructor, Top Golf coach, and you can book a lesson today at topgolf.com slash lessons. They want to make sure that you have fun, but they also want to make sure that you improve your game. So all of the amenities that you love about Top Golf, everything that you love about the Top Golf experience, it is all going to be there as part of your lesson, along with a certified instructor who's going to help you. So you can sip, you can swing, you can have so much fun at Top Golf with their certified instructors. Book a lesson today at topgolf.com slash lessons. Again, that is topgolf.com slash lessons to book a lesson with Top Golf Coach. And also Top Golf, where we think the augmented reality PGA Tour events might be being played in the 2030s. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I was just looking at the pro- one of the problems with this structure is uh, if you're the leader in the FedEx Cup and you go out and shoot 64, 63 over the first two days, what, are, is anybody watching on the weekend? Mm, I don't know, but I kind of think that would be badass. So Tiger, think about this. Tiger going into the 2007 Tour Championship was number one in the FedEx Cup. He had just finished T2 at the Deutsche Bank and first at the BMW. So he starts at 10 under. He goes 64, 63, 64, 66, which would have been, which was 23 under. So he would have been 33 under with the new, under the new format. So my challenge to that is, did you watch Tiger when he ran away with the Masters? Yeah, but it, I mean, yes, Tiger's different. If that <laughs> yeah, was, Tiger is if, different. But if that was DJ. So Zach Johnson and Mark Kalkovecchia tied for second. They would have started. Uh, they were twelfth, and Kalkovecchia was eighteenth. So they so they would have finished like they finished at fifteen under. So they were eight behind Tiger, who was twenty three under. So they would have finished. Zach would have got like two or three strokes. <laughs> they would have lost the tour championship by like 16 strokes. I mean, I am wondering when we're, if we're going to see with this like a, a 29 under win the tour championship. Yeah, or 33. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think we're going to see the Tiger 64-63. But I I do think we're going to see some exorbitant numbers. Um but that, you know, what is it? It's all a con like par is just a construct, you know? Yeah. Except, except now it's not <laughs> like you're, you're artificially like it, it's, it, it's going to be weird. So Andy Johnson of the fried egg has this thing where he doesn't, I don't know if I've ever told you this or maybe I have, he, he doesn't want TV networks to show scores to par like on TV. He wants them to show total strokes like at, at any given time. And so <laughs> the problem with that is that you could have somebody leading the tournament at like uh, 210. Right. But but somebody in second place at like 180. Just because it, they're at a different place on the course at that time? Yeah, because, because the guy in first is finished and he's eight under or whatever. And the guy in second is still on the course and he's only six under. Yeah. I, it. It sounds like a hilariously bad idea, even though I think it would be amazing. Um, but if you you are sort of like artificially inflating or deflating 
the score to par, which I guess could get confusing. Although I think people watching won't really care because it'll just be whatever score is on their television. It's it's not a seventy or a hundred player field. It, there is no cut in the event. Like I just I keep going back to the idea of like track or a horse racing or just just this 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 sort of race mentality that has that has it just makes so much more sense to me and i I believe that the you know when you're going with the par is just a construct it it makes more sense to me when you've got the the bigger fields and you've got four rounds with a huge uh huge amount of competitors huge amount of swings there's just there's more data points in a regular tournament when you've got less data points i'm okay with gaming it up a little bit yeah totally i I mean i'm yeah i'm in i'm i'm sort of just using this to point out a few of the holes or flaws in uh, the PGA Tour's decision. But again, like I, I think that overall, and, and I talked about this with some guys at the um, at Bethpage a few weeks ago when we were up there for the PGA Championship preview, like it just, I don't know, it's just better. Like it just makes more sense, even though I get why people are frustrated that it it it's going to count as a, as a, tournament win even though you might not have been the the lowest man in the field like you might not have shot the lowest score that week but guess what like everybody knows that going in so play better leading up to the tour championship like that's that's part of the deal i think that it's uh all right well no let's let's go ahead and just get into it what are what are you um and it's it's tough right now because the Ryder cup is so close i mean the team's going to be getting on planes what sunday night yeah. And you're heading over to Paris. I mean, the, and we've been talking about the Ryder Cup for about a month and a half. We've been thinking, Kyle thinks about the Ryder Cup all the time. Like, this, this is uh, a moment where, as a golf fan, your attention is divided. And so I will say, like, even um, in that world of a divided attention, you know, what are, what are some of the stories that are really gripping you? to the East Lake coverage beyond, obviously, your work responsibilities? But, like, you know, where, What's what's jumping out? What's going to pop this weekend and uh, and make golf uh, sort of what what is going to make golf rattle a little bit this weekend? I think there's a lot. I think it would be hilarious. This is what I'm rooting for, Chip. Uh, I'm rooting for Tony Finau to win the FedEx Cup without winning a single event in 2018. By just, I mean that is uh, that's fa- it would, oh, it would wow. be incredible. Would Finau replace Fowler? <laughs> is it i i feel like i've unfortunately i feel like i might have asked you that before but that's kind of the, the what we're seeing right i mean on one hand it, it would speak to like guess what winning isn't everything and beating almost everyone in the field almost every week is a big deal but on the other hand i don't know if the pga tour wants to give 10 million dollars to somebody who who has one event or who has won one event and it was the puerto rico open like two years ago uh, so that would be funny. Billy Horschel winning a second FedEx Cup and again not making the Ryder Cup team would be funny. I saw somebody on Twitter point, pointing that out. Even with the Billy Horschel rule in place, that would actually be hilarious. Where is happened. wait? Hold on. So where is Billy Horschel in the standings right now? He's ninth. What? Yeah. Is that just because he's torn it up in the last couple of events? Yeah, he played well. Uh, so he withdrew from the. Uh, Boston, I don't whatever it's called, Dell Technologies, and he, but he finished third in the other two. So he finished third in the Northern Trust. He finished third in the BMW. 
Wow. So if he wins, that would be a second straight. Uh, like he hasn't been back to East Lake since 2014, so he would have won the last two times he was at East Lake, and both times not made the Ryder Cup, even though they literally invented a, a rule called the Billy Horschel rule that would benefit people who played really well at the end of the year. <laughs> So you so basically the the first two things that you are uh that you're suggesting are are items that would I mean it's it's a little uh you're looking for a little bit of anarchy here. Yes. You're, you're, I, I just want you to, want as I much want, chaos as possible. I want to be amused by the entire thing. <laughs> okay. Well, what about a tiger win? Yeah, t- t- a tiger win. I I I wrote this for my preview piece today, but Whatever Tiger does this weekend is going to be a talking point for the rest of 2018 because if he wins, obviously it's like, oh, well, you know, this is think of, you know, Tiger won his last event of 2018. Let's let's think about what that means going into 2019. And if he doesn't win, it's going to be, hey, when in 2019 is Tiger going to win? He, he's he finished top six on the PGA Tour and strokes gained. He's the, he's the only guy in the top nine or whatever that that didn't win. Uh, I, I I just think that. It's it's going to be a the dichotomy of whatever he does this weekend is going to be interesting because no matter what it is, it's going to be a big talking point for the next uh, season. What about uh, institutional knowledge? Does he have any advantage when it comes to Eastlake here? Uh, I don't know. It just it's been so long for him. He hasn't he hasn't played there uh, since 2013 when Stinson beat him uh, for the FedEx Cup. Um, so I don't I don't know. I I, I would tend to say no but uh i don't know there there are other storylines too i mean i think justin rose is maybe not compelling to everyone but i i think he seems like the most locked in guy right now overall uh he he just got to number one obviously he's got the Ryder cup next week i i think you know he has five top tens in his last six appearances at east lake so i think him winning I, I mean, he's my pig. That's who I picked this week. Uh, it feels a little bit like, yeah, this is this is probably going to happen, but you know, it might not. Uh, obviously, Bryson could win. DJ, there's so many different guys up there, but I, I think Justin Rose is a pretty con- compelling storyline as well. What's the? Um, do you think that we get any good Ryder Cup talking points coming out of this weekend, or do you think that everything there is pretty much sealed? Here is the sort of under the radar uh, talking point that um, I haven't looked at all the guys, but I did look at these three: Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, and Dustin Johnson. So I would say three of the U.S.'s five best players right now. Agree. They're not playing their best golf, and I think if you see those guys and maybe like Phil or Tiger struggle at East Lake, Spieth's not there. Fowler just came off an injury. There might be a little like, hey, is is the U.S. are they going in the right direction? Talk and Justin Rose and Rory battle it out for the Tour Championship. I, I think that could be. I think that could be super interesting going into next week because. You want DJ, obviously, you want DJ, JT, and, and Kepka playing well going into Paris. And it's not, they're not playing bad. Right. They're just, like, DJ doesn't have a top 10 in his last four events, I think. Uh, Kepka and, and JT only have, I think, one top 10 in the playoffs. Like, they just haven't played to the level that 
that you would expect. And, and so I, I think that's going to be kind of an under the radar, maybe secret storyline heading into Paris. And that's such a fascinating, uh, it's such a fascinating aspect of golf that is, you know, I, I was just thinking about it as we were talking about tiger, but just, just being able to, to separate like, okay, like, yes, I, I know what Dustin Johnson's best looks like. I've seen Dustin Johnson carry a, a quality of golf, a level of play across multiple events where I could say, you know, this period is some of the best, like that is uh, Dustin Johnson at running at 99 or, you know, whatever. That is his his highest percentile performance. And uh, like we get it a lot with the uh, college football analytics, football outsiders, uh, Bill Connolly, like, you know, what, what percentage of performance what did a team show in a certain game? And when you've got DJ Kepka and JT, who we've seen that their 99 is better than anyone in the world, and you feel them running at like 67, I could see how it's disconcerting. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Because like, if you looked at, like if you put a different name up there, like let's say you put, um, I don't know, the first name I thought of was DA Points. Don't put that's, DA. Don't do that to DA points. Yeah, that's a terrible. That's a terrible. Let's, right. let's say, uh, let's say Kevin Chapel. Okay. So Kevin Chapel, good player, not a great player. Let's say you throw just the resume of the last two months from JT onto Kevin Chapel. You're like, oh, top ten at the PGA, top ten at the Northern Trust, a couple of top twenty fives, maybe something like a T thirty three. You're like, wow, Kevin Chapel's, you know, he's locked in. He's playing great. But when you throw Justin Thomas's name out there, you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he's he's playing okay, like that's, right. You know, it, and it's weird. And it it is it unfair? I I guess. But also, like, we expect a lot of of players that are stars and superstars across sports. Like, if LeBron's averaging 22 a game, you're like, what's on, what's the deal? You know, what what are we doing here? And uh, I think that you know, it, it's hard in golf because like two, two or three shots could be the difference between. T thirty three and T eleven, and and then all of a sudden it doesn't look as bad. But uh, I do think that's an interesting talking point going into Paris. The uh, when when you show us what your best looks like, like and that's and for like Tiger Woods, we've got to be able to separate what Tiger's best did look like, what Tiger's best has looked like in twenty eighteen, and also you know whether it is reasonable to expect. Uh, him to be able to run at 99 every single week. Yeah, totally. And yeah, with Tiger, it's, uh, I mean, it's been so interesting this year of like, I mean, it's been fun. Let's, let's, let's put, let's just like, it has been really, really fun to watch the greatest of all time start to get his swagger back in a new era of his career in life. You you think he's the best ever better than Nicholas? I mean, of course, because I'm a young millennial who doesn't respect history. <laughs> Brandel Chambly one time said that Tiger was twice as good as Nicholas was. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I I go I end up in that debate leaning uh, Tiger, and I I split all the hairs with the cultural impact. Yeah, I I think that in the same way that we under so, so my whole deal is that like the sport continues to get better like it was better in 98 than it was when nicholas was playing 
And people can say, oh, well, Tom Weisskopf and Tom Watson and like, okay, well, yeah, there was, there's always like six names, but across the board, like depth of field, it just gets with more money, it gets better. It just has to. And so I, I just think what Tiger did in what I believe to be deeper fields and, and better golf is more impressive than what Nicholas did. But I, I don't know, man. Nicholas is like, I, I'm to me, the 18 majors is not what's captivating. It's the 21 or whatever it was, uh, runner ups, right. runners up. That's a joke. I mean, that's, that's insane. His, his, if people haven't checked it out, his Wikipedia page, like it, it shows all the, all the major finishes. Go look at the 1970s. Is Nicholas he, LeBron? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Tiger is Jordan. Maybe. Man, yeah. and I'm kind of a LeBron guy. Now, I am, I'm, me now, too. now I'm all caught up in my mind. <laughs> I'm <laughs> twisted. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I think I think people just like pick the guy that they like better and then use whatever like data points there are to to back up that position. Cuz you can, you can argue both sides, right? Well, I mean, it's a I mean, that's that's why it's a, a de- that's why it is uh, a debate that will never cease. I which mean, when, is, when, the, which when, is fun. Yeah. I mean, in 2036, when we're doing the augmented reality Ryder cup and the aliens are here competing as a third team, along with the Europeans and the United States, then we're still going to be having LeBron Jordan and tiger Nicholas debates. Who's most likely to switch sides and play with the aliens. Um, Patrick Reed, <laughs> 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 the turncoat of the century. <laughs> I was going to say Bryson. So Jack Nicholas from 19, the 1970 masters to the 1979 master or uh, PGA championship. So that's 10 years in the 1970s. He finished outside the top 10 five times. So we got 40 majors. Yeah. So 35 top tens. Okay. Out of 40 majors, uh, eight wins and four, eight runners up. Mm. So 16 firsts or seconds, 35 top tens in 40 majors. And then just for good measure in 1980, he won two more majors. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. But again, like what if it's possible that you can only truly dominate for about a decade? And well, if he, he also he also had uh, seven majors leading up to the 1970s. Oh well, <laughs> I was I was I was trying to go uh, Tiger 97 to 08 kind of as his bracket. How about this? In 1960, he finished second at the U.S. Open. He was an amateur. 1961, he finished fourth at the U.S. Open. He was an amateur, and then he turned pro and won the U.S. Open in 1962. But see, that gets to my point, like there is no way that an amateur would finish second and fourth in consecutive years at the U S open in 2018. No, it, it just, it, it, no matter how good, like it just, it, it's, it's impossible for it to happen. Cause like, that, I, yeah, that amateur is not getting the attention from Joey D that you need to be able to go and win U S <laughs> open. <laughs> the box jump playoff would not go well <laughs> no. for, for Matthew Wolf at Oklahoma State. No, and that's I think that might be uh another, that might be a good like corner of it because especially as we continue to watch Matthew Wolf who has been lighting it up in the last 2 weeks apparently. 
Oh yeah, freak. Uh, two win, two wins in his first two starts as a sophomore. Jeez. Yeah, I talked to somebody. Uh, I talked to yeah. I'll just say this. I talked to somebody last week who said that he thinks Matthew Wolf is better than uh, like all the other like Cameron Champ, Norman Jong, all all the other young like future superstars. Like he thinks he's the one. A lot of people do. It's crazy, man. Like I, I just, I, you know, my view is obviously tainted because I went to Oklahoma State and I love Oklahoma State golf, but it's it's going to be fascinating to see how he does as a pro. It's so fun because uh, I also do the twenty four seven Sports College Football podcast. I do that with Barton Simmons, and I think that each of you is like you're you're vulnerable. To knowing too much as they come up, you know, <laughs> like Bart, like Barton will be like, I scouted this guy. I saw him in high school. He's, he's good. I probably, like, this is, this is going to be it. And it's like, when you get really, when you start to identify like a, a Patrick Cantlay, you know, that you're just like, no, I'm telling you, this is it. He's got it. He's got all the tools. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a it's a good point. Um, it's it's just so hard though because because like, as soon as Matthew Wolf turns pro, you're going to start making him a sleeper or a top ten lock every single time in your yeah, expert I, picks. I know, and in golf, it's like literally. I mean, I I always go back to you're going to turn this into like a new intro, but I always go back to uh, Spieth at the 13 John Deere. He blades a chip on 18. It goes in. He wins or he gets into a playoff. He wins that playoff. And two years later, he's, he wins five times in two majors. Now, does that happen if the, his freaking chip that should have gone in the water on 18 went, doesn't go in the hole? I don't know. Probably, but maybe not. I mean, the, the margin, like people just don't going back to Keegan Bradley at the BMW, like the, the putt that sat on the edge for like eight seconds and then fell. Yeah. The margins are so thin, and yes, you're rewarded if you're an elite ball striker and put yourself in position to win a lot of times. Yes, that's that is true. But one thing can 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 flip it, and we saw that with Spieth at the 13 John Deere. And I, I don't know; it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird thing, and uh, I, I don't I think that's part of the fun of it all. Um, any, any last like, uh, sleepers, you got any gut feelings of who's going to, you already said Justin Rose is your winner, right? Yeah. I, I like my, my guy that I'm kind of identified as a sleeper. I, I like Webb this week. Um, that's not crazy. I mean, he's, it's, he's been here or been yeah, there. It's, it's been, it's been kind of his year, you know, in a lot of ways, like obviously he didn't want a major, but Makes it back to the Ryder Cup, dominates the Players Championship. Uh, he's a top ten putter on the PGA. He's just had a really, really good year, and I think he's in a really good place, uh, just mentally, confidence wise. Uh, he's eleventh in the FedEx Cup right now. He's got two top fives at Eastlake. Uh, granted, they happened like five and six years ago, but he's got a pretty good history there. And, uh, I don't know, I could just see him winning. He'd ha- he needs some help because he is 11th. He'd need Bryson and, and Justin Rose to fall off a little bit, but, uh, I don't know. He's my sleeper for this week. Um, Webb, it, it is because he's been in the, uh, just sort of in the world for a long time. It's always, it's always nice to go back. Like, no, this was, 
an All-American golfer, ACC Player of the Year, Arnold Palmer Scholarship. Like he's this. These results were not coming out of nowhere. They were foreseen a long time ago. We played with a guy in New York at one of the courses that we played who uh, was a mini tour player, and he said that. You know, he's kind of he's kind of grinding on these mini tours and trying to figure stuff out. And he said he was eating lunch one day in a clubhouse. I think he he practiced down like in uh, I think at uh, Medalist or somewhere somewhere where like a bunch of big names play. And he's watching a PJ Tour event on TV, and he said it, it just dawned on him like I'm never gonna make it. Like I'm never gonna be like. What, guess what? He's, he's my age. So he was like, guess what? When I was, when I was 11, Webb Simpson was the best player in the country. When I was 16, he was the best player in the country. When I was 20, he was the best player in the country. And it, you just, he's like, you just are who you are. Yeah. And he's like, not that you couldn't like get to the fringes of it or, or, you know, take a peek or whatever, but like you're, you're fighting an uphill battle against guys that have always been the best. And that's why I go back to pedigree all the time. That's why, that's why Justin Thomas's rise is it's, it's fast, but I don't know if it's that surprising because his pedigree is elite. He's elite. Um, you're elite Kyle. (laughs) Thanks Chip. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Are we live blogging all four days? Uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Hey, it, yeah. Well, I've got I've got 7 days of of live blogging in the next like 10, so I got that 2 a.m. live blog to get cranking. Mm. <laughs> That's brutal. Well, hey, I am uh I'm home. I'm at Texas A&M Alabama this weekend, but I'm I'm going to be here in the uh the Palatial Patterson Studios for my work day and work weekend for the Ryder Cup. So if you need, if you need some, some support, if you need to get lifted off the ground, (laughs) when, when, when Rory just starts lighting it up, I'm just going to check in on you because I'm assuming you're just going to be on your back, losing your mind. Patrick Reed might be on his back in in Paris, just getting just a house by, man, I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, we can talk about this next week, but the potential for some of the individual matchups at the Ryder Cup is off the charts. It's so much fun. It's good. It's so good. Like there's yeah. going to be, I mean, we have to get a, a Reed Rory rematch. Um, you, you know, like something like speed. We talked about this, but speed Terrell Hatton would be hilarious. Speed Rom would be, I mean, it would be unbelievable. Just the amount of talking those guys did to themselves, Bryson Rom, Bryson Hatton. I mean, it just it's gonna be awesome. So do we want maybe uh for next next week's show we'll put together our the the singles matches that we want to see the most for entertainment purposes? Yeah. And the pair and the uh the, the team pairings. matches too. All right. And yeah. it's so we've got three team rounds and then the singles on Sunday, right? There is uh there's four. So there's two there's four ball and, and uh alternate shot on Friday, four ball and alternate shot on Saturday, and then singles on Sunday. Okay. All right, I'll put together my dream teams. I love it. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it, Kyle. Talk to you later, Chip. I think about that sixteen rider cup all the time. All the time. All the time. I think about that 16 Ryder Cup all the time.